Hello everyone and welcome to the Demographicast. Uh, my name is Jack Street and I am joined today as always by Brett Lee and a new guest, Catherine Grassu. Hello. Kate, it's great for you to be here. Thank um, you. Mindless Alex de Boyk today. Yeah, he's buggered off to Ireland. He so he left us. Just, <laughs> he did. So um, I'm sure he'll be back soon, but in the meantime... Uh, I'll have to do. Yeah, it's, no, it's great to have you here. <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking about something quite personal for you mm-hmm. today as well. Um, but before we jump into that, I just wanted to say, I hope everyone had a great new year. I hope you two had a great new year uh, and a good Christmas. We've got lots of really exciting stuff planned for this year, so we're finally... Um, after a nice break, kicking things off again. Yes. Um, Kate, are you happy just to kind of take it from here um, and explain a little bit about... Take it away, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, basically, I have a relatively rare long-term condition. It's also classed as a disability, although it's not um, usually what people first... what springs into people's head when they think of that. Um, I have... A problem with my thyroid gland, which is a gland that lives in everybody's neck and delivers lots of hormones, hot and fresh, from um, the system that produces them and they travel all around the body and do lots of important things like temperature regulation and appetite and hormones, all of it. Immune system. Everything. Immune system, loads and loads of things. Uh, and when that doesn't work, obviously it's very bad. <laughs> Mine doesn't work at all. Some people have a version where there's doesn't work as much as it should or it's like subclinical where they just feel a little bit crap and they don't know why um but no i have fully fledged get ready for big word hashimoto's hypothyroidism you can google that (laughs) um it has over 300 known symptoms and lots of linked conditions being an autoimmune disease and when you have one autoimmune disease because you're genetically predisposed to them if you have one you're more likely to pick up others along your life as well so it's not a great thing to have um but uh i manage a pretty functional life so um Uh, when i first met you i would have never have guessed yeah but you would have had um any kind of also, I mean, I pretty much get that from everyone. I don't. I don't really. I can. My kind of deal with coping is to pride myself on being as functional as possible. I do have to work a lot harder than other people to do the same thing sometimes. Mm. And some people, the injustice of that, some people reject that and say, "Well, I'm not going to do that at all. I'm just going to have to find a totally different way to live life." And I, I don't really do that. I, what? I like to kind of try and do what I can and. Uh, this is important now because January is Thyroid Disease Awareness Month, okay. and we have a ribbon. We're one of the we're one of the diseases with ribbons. What colour is it? <laughs> it's blue paisley. Ah, so yeah. it's like a paisley pattern, and it's blue. Nice. Uh, because it's supposed to be that um, the little tiny fibres in your actual thyroid are supposed to look a bit like a paisley pattern. Ah, mm-hmm. So that's why. That's why. Well, go and support the uh, the awareness then, because um, as can be attributed to by I think both myself and Brett this is not something that a lot of people have awareness of and no one and it it is in many ways invisible to people that Mm -hmm. are around you and I think one of the first things I said to Brett after finding out was bloody hell how strong (laughs) must you be because to go and do the same things that everybody does and not alter your life in any way I think that that shows that you have a great sense of you I mean, know, it's, it's... You have such a strong character. It's ultimate complaining rights, really, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's... Yeah, it's it's one of those things... I, I find it 
it's so much kind of faff and effort to explain to people that it's actually not worth complaining to people who don't already know. For sure, because, going through it every because, time. Yeah, having to have a whole brand new conversation about the same... I have to basically give the same speech I've given everybody ever. Nobody yeah. gets what it is. Nobody's heard of it. I have to explain what it does. People are like, but I thought you had a condition to do with joint pain. How can that be anything to do with your temperature? And I, I have to explain that like the whole thing is a whole massive... It's an ecosystem and yeah, everything leads. Everything and... is to do with that. Yeah, mm. yeah. That's and that, that in many ways must be... Well, we're into the extreme, probably. Yeah. Because... To have to, as you said, to have to go through that explanation with almost everybody you meet. And That's so much effort. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I just, we, we've been saying I need one of those um, little badges for on the for tube. The <laughs> no, 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 it's really yeah. bad because people don't let me sit down. Yeah. Because they see a young a young body or a young face and mm. they think, you don't need to sit down. Of course. And I, I can't, like... Sometimes I, do, then, sometimes I do find myself like putting a limp on or like hobbling so that people will let me sit down. Well, I really just that, need a badge because I... That, but, but, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's awful. And um, the fact that we live in a society where somebody can't just turn around and go, I've got this problem, can I please sit down? Yeah. And people turn around and immediately distrust to the point where you have to label yourself yeah. on public transport. Yeah is pretty frightening, mm -hmm. I think. It's not good. Um, and <laughs> part, I, I think the biggest problem, and I, we seem to always come back to this, whatever topic we talk about, is lack of education. Yeah. There is such a massive lack of educational understanding mm -hmm. that if somebody turns around to you and says that, that they have a condition, the first thing you, the thing that you don't do is turn around and ask them loads of questions about it. Question Just them. go, oh, okay, no worries. Yeah, you, you yeah. Just, it's not that difficult just to accommodate for people mm. no. or to give people a pass or stand up for 10 minutes on a train. Mm. It really isn't that tough. No. I think you know, people are under the illusion that we expect a lot from them. I, I, I don't need your understanding. <laughs> I don't need you to grasp. I don't need you to come up with a cure. I don't need you to donate money. I just... It's it's as simple as, as listening or as, as some very small... I don't I don't expect people to care that much as if it's not really affecting them that's fine um i think my main problem with society and the education aspect is actually the education of doctors mm -hmm. i have massive massive issues with the way the system for doctors mm -hmm. works that i don't really have time to worry about everybody else mm -hmm. because i'm too busy thinking even if i do tell someone if i tell a specialist what i'm experiencing they may still not believe me they may still not do anything about it because they as far as they're concerned this treatment which is cheaper and not as good as the one that they used to use in the 50s but then they swapped um that they, they stick with that one because it because it's cheap and it's mass produced and they're they, they don't prescribe they need a special prescription order to mm. prescribe the medicine that works for me sure uh and n i've never met anybody not here in london not three different other places I've lived across the UK so far. No one, I've not, never met anyone willing to prescribe me. Why do you think that is? Why do you think there's such a stubbornness to um, not... To, do you think it's because... Well, it's probably multifaceted, but mm -hmm. what I'm thinking is maybe it's quite difficult to uh, register the issues that you're having and therefore it's easy just to prescribe this one-size-fits-all yeah. kind of medicine. I mean, do they not have enough time? Is there not enough... There money, is, there is that. There is a money thing, but they did used to... The, the treatment that I take that works um, was prescribed across the board 
before. It's made of, it's natural, it's made of um, cut up pig thyroids. Um, And they used to prescribe everybody that, and then they changed to synthetic T4 only medicine, which is the particular hormone that it makes. And that doesn't do the whole job of everything that if you had a working thyroid would do. But they prescribed that it's not really a mystery it's it's because of big pharma and there was a massive um move towards replacing t3 and the medicine i'm on entirely with the cheaper medicine and when they done that it was just a thing of the nice guidelines which are the gp guidelines have been written with big pharma whispering in their ear saying this is the only so it's written in every gp across the lands uh book that this is the only acceptable treatment for this condition and that this treatment is perfect, there's nothing yeah. wrong with it. Yeah. They do not recognise that there are problems with this treatment. No matter well, how I bet many they times... Do. I bet they do recognise well, online, the, the, the online community is massive. There's so many people out there. There's books been written yeah. about it. There's, lot, there's, there's sure. not that many much research because people don't want to spend money researching it. But it, the problem literally is that they won't accept the people the minority of people who need a different treatment yeah because it makes them more money yeah because it I makes mean, them more the, money that's the crux of it and that's what so many of these and issues no one come wants down to be to. responsible for like because there's not been a lot of research we know that the, those that treatment works but nobody wants to put their name on the, to be the person who went against the guidelines if something goes wrong, they're very not well protected yeah. by that. So, of course, they're just going to prescribe what they're told to prescribe because then it's on that individual GP. It's the whole system. And you end up looking works. for a martyr at that point, don't yeah. Someone to say, right, sod this, I'll I'm not. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And then maybe people, the ball starts to move in the opposite direction. You see it with the, sh- the sugar industry that mm-hmm. put, put, put a load of money into saying that sugar isn't the thing that makes you obese. You, yeah. Look at um, the tobacco whole, yeah, industry. Yeah, convince everyone it was fat. Yeah, then. yeah. You look at the tobacco industry that's pl- ploughed loads of money into um, studies. I'm doing air quotations on vaping. Um, on vaping. But even back in the 50s and 60s, when mm. people were starting to understand that cigarettes actually weren't that good for you, mm-hmm. employing doctors to be shown doctors smoke camels. You know, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is, they yeah. lots of money because it's vested interest. There's another one of those that's um, overhydration in America because of um, sports science drinks. Mm. Paid a lot of money to, to say that everyone's really dehydrated all the time and yep. they drink way too much water over there now if they're going to do sport. They make everyone drink like massive, more amounts of water than they need because right. it makes more money. Because of like bottled, bottled water. Well, they can pay yeah, Well, like sports drinks as well. Again. Oh right, like so energy. they're not really hydrating themselves, and you know yeah. they're essentially the same well, as a coke, scientists. like a Lucasaid. Yeah. Has a lot of Lucasaid has as much money in as a Sprite or a Coke or whatever. Yeah. You're not hydrating yourself. Look at fucking Red Bull. It's yeah. not it's good for you, is it? It's not good for you. No, it gives you energy because it's like overloading your. Um, energy systems with sugar crap yeah exactly you can definitely pay any anyone in a white coat to say whatever you want yeah oh, of got course, that kind of, of course, money and the people course. in big pharma yeah, do and that's what they use it for to um to give the listeners a bit more of an idea uh, of your condition do you want to you were writing down a few of the symptoms earlier do you want to yes. read some out it's just a well, elaborate a little bit on the sort of variety yeah, and range there's a, there's of things. Yeah, a big variety. I collected a few off the list that are like more appropriate for me. There's a lot of symptoms on that list that I don't experience, thank the Lord, because some of them are pretty nasty. Are they quite um, individual then? 
for because I know you were saying that it's fairly rare you've only spoken to one other person that yes. has it. So yes. is it? I've, I've talked to other people online. I've only right, met right, one right. person. Um, there's only one other person that has it that's my age and that I know of. In the UK. Yeah, yeah. in the UK. Um, so they are quite individual. The they can be quite individual. Very yeah. Um, so things like I'm going to do a couple from each category. So I've got things like um, chronic fatigue and like a long recovery period. Um, so basically, that means you can. I, I need more sleep than other people, and when I do sleep, it doesn't replenish my energy the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a really famous um, way of talking about this that people use in autoimmune disease communities now called spoon theory. I don't know if you've heard of it. No. Uh, it's a way of explaining the way people have to plan their day around conditions. So you say to someone, imagine I gave you 12 spoons and spoons represent energy for mm-hmm. the day. And if I take two away from you because you made tea and had a shower this morning and you've got to get through the rest of the day on what you've, the rest of, that you've got, you can't get any more unless you sleep. Right. Um, and once you run out, you're out. Okay. And then say you get to the evening it's been quite a hard day and you've only got like one two spoons left and you have to decide well do i want to spend some quality time do i want to go out do i want to do this do i want to make have i got enough energy to make food and it's about it's about thinking you've only got so much in the day whereas normal people don't have to think about that you don't have to sit down in the morning and think what how how am i going to have enough energy for all that I've got to do today. So yes. that therefore impacts majorly on your lifestyle choices. And I actually just wrote that down. Yeah. Can um, you before we move on? We will get through all of these because we've got loads of time. Can you maybe go into that a, a little bit more specifically? The the way that it impacts on your daily routine. How much time do you tend to spend figuring out that stuff? Because yeah. for for me, for example, I've kind of been lucky in the a lot of the time you know I've got quite a lot of energy and I feel easy just to, to go and go and it's yeah. it relies on me as to how much I dedicate to myself so to start the day off by thinking right what do I have to prioritize mm-hmm. because I'm not gonna get, everything, get done. everything done because I literally can't do it it's not whether I decide to do it or not I do I do not have the ability yeah. to get everything done what is that it's pretty like scary how is that? yeah it's pretty scary um, especially when you, when you're like, I, I'm, I'm a very no excuses person. I got this from my mum. So I, I'm, I'm very kind of like frustrated by it for myself. So I don't really accept it as my own excuse. So a lot of the time I will just try and, but the, the, the main way that it's quite irritating is I can't suddenly change plans very easily. Like if I decide, you know, we, we should go here tomorrow if it's, I have to be very careful about if I make a plan, changing it is quite... Spontaneity is difficult. Yeah, Yeah. it's quite disruptive to quite a lot of things. I need to know where I'm going to sleep. I need to know where I'm going to be tomorrow because I have to take my medicine with me. Um, I have to know that I can go to bed early enough. I have to know... um, I think think the, the main thing with us as well is that I feel quite guilty needing things fetched for me Hmm. like I don't I'm quite uncomfortable sometimes if the pain is bad if like um because you get quite a lot of chronic joint pain and things I find it very I don't like asking people for help 
particularly and I will tend to just just potter about and do things by myself and I still feel bad like if you're just like oh I'll get up yeah yeah Kate's talking about me and because yeah, yeah. me and Kate are in a relationship so yeah I should have said yeah we didn't <laughs> mention that at the beginning but well yeah. I want but I wanted I wanted to hear what you mm. how you feel about that because I know that like you're very conscious not to patronize me mm. I'm very conscious not to ask you to do too much yeah I've I've I, I think I was telling you on the way here that it also I find it sometimes difficult to completely understand how much mm. it affects you because um, I sort of suggested the other day that after doing the podcast here today we then go shopping uh, t- uh, on the way back but obviously Kate can't make the yeah. journey here do this and make the journey back mm-hmm. and also go shopping because it would basically I have to do errands one per day so if I've got to go to the bank I w- and I've got to go to the I've got an appointment at the doctor's I won't put them on the same day right so whereas somebody else might say just, oh, I'm going to town yeah. so I may as well do spend three hours there and do all these things that I've got to do yeah, it's just not possible no. so um, does, do you find that things can pile on top of each other then if oh if, yeah it, it gets quite overwhelming if you've got a lot to do but I, I find I'm okay if I trust in my own system it's when people look at the way I do things and go oh but you've not got much time to my mum does this. It's so it's so funny. She's like, um, have you have you got your blood results? Have you have you have you done your blood tests? Have you done this? Have you done that? And I'm just like, you're making it worse. <laughs> like if I have to do it one at a time in my own time in my own way, or I'll stress about it and then it won't get done. Yeah, yeah. I'm more likely to have a panic attack and be like, I can't go anywhere today if I'm like really really stressed mm. about the thing I've got to do. Whereas if I'm just like, uh, this is what I'm doing. It'll today. get done. It'll get yeah. done then it's fine, yeah. So I just have to be quite careful about the way I phrase things to myself. Yeah. So I won't tell myself something's going to be big and scary and overwhelming because there's just no point. I haven't got time to stress about it. I haven't got the energy to stress about it. So So enough to worry about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you know what I think is actually really interesting? and I think that this... As a society, we've failed to understand the thought processes enough of those living with certain conditions and I think that's across the board from what you have to people with autism mm. we I've, we tend to put you used the phrase normal people earlier and I know you didn't mean uh, you were saying that just uh, yeah. through speech but I think that's so upsetting to me because you having this condition doesn't mean you're not normal it just means that you have to live your life in a different way ah uh, but i wouldn't say that this condition is the reason i'm not normal okay <laughs> yeah, fair enough but what i was going to say was the reason that i think a lot of people think in that way is because we haven't done enough to understand these people just mm-hmm. see life in different ways people just live life in a different way yeah. and there's a lot of valuable things to understand from people that live life in this way oh, like you sure. were saying i'm never late it's well there we go but also your way of looking at things and saying there's no point in me making this thing a massive thing in my head because it'll just make situations worse. Well, I literally You've got enough to worry about. <laughs> More people need to live life like that. Yeah, That's a yeah. positive way of looking at things. And because you've just because you've learnt that behaviour through mm. having your condition doesn't devalue it. Yeah. It makes it all the more important because that is what diversity of experience is about. Mm. That is what diversity of life is about. And we need to learn those things from each other instead yeah. of ignoring them because you know, this person has a condition and that's yeah, how yeah. they learn it, you know. Well, I think everybody Absolutely. has a thing. Sure, sure. Everybody has a thing. It doesn't have to be, like, a recognised condition. I think everyone's everyone's just as messed up as everybody else. Yeah. 
Yeah, and we can all learn stuff from each exactly. other. It doesn't matter where you are yes, or what you've been from. And exactly, yeah. Absolutely. So please go on. With other, other symptoms <laughs> or, or oh, if you have more okay, to say yes, about that. Or... Yes. Um, so other things that it affects. So this thing, lots of tiredness, needing lots of naps, long recovery period. The immune system thing is quite annoying. So I have to have my flu jab. Mm-hmm. A lot of people do. Um, but if I... I tend to, if someone has a cold, like at work or like in my family or, I, or one of my friends, I will, I will probably get it and I will probably get it and have it for two weeks longer than they had it. Yeah. Which is why it's... more people need to get their bloody flu jab. <laughs> well, everyone, everyone get your flu yeah, jab. Yeah, get your right flu now. jab. Yeah. Get your mum, ask your mum, she'll, she'll pay for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of worrying about if I get a cold uh, this is this is the first year I haven't had a cold at Christmas for a very long time. Right. But like, even the little things like people think that they're fairly normal. But like, if it's bad every time, and if it lies you really low every time, it becomes. But there, there was a, there was like about five weeks when I first met you where yeah, I was just ill you were constantly. Permanently ill, yeah. Which does happen from time to time. I can mm. go a f- quite a while without anything and then I'll just be ill for six weeks constantly yeah. with different, like, three different things. Mm. And it, <laughs> it's just, like, really, really hard to, to to sort of not get really bogged down in it. Because right. then when you're trying to tell people, oh, I'm really sick, they're like, oh, yeah, I had a cold last week. I'm really sick. And you're like, no, I'm sicker than you. <laughs> it's a morale it's killer as well, isn't it? it? It's the same thing. You get, like, a monopoly over how tired you are because... There's a, it's a different thyroid tired is not normal tired. I don't know how to explain this. But, but there are different forms of tiredness. Mm. There it's really are. Like internal tired. Like yeah. I can, it's in my bones. Yeah. And I stop being able to do things like regulate my own body temperature um, when I'm tired. And I do this thing where if I go out, if I'm like tired, even if I'm wearing my big coat, I go outside. My, my the surface of my skin is not like cold, and my teeth start chattering. Yeah. Really. I do it all the time. Um, we have the thing where it's like it, if you get cold on the inside because you're tired, nothing will warm you, will warm you up until you sleep. Right. Or eat. And sometimes I'm too tired to eat. Sometimes I do yeah. get a bit. Sometimes, because it's quite heavy on your metabolism to jet to, to digest food. It's quite like a long process that takes some energy. Mm. I have to like think about whether I've got enough energy to eat before I eat. Because sometimes I can feel quite ill if I'm really, really tired, but I insist on having like a meal before bed, and I'll feel quite horrible. <laughs> yeah. Because I my my body just wants to shut down before it's properly finished digesting. So then that impacts on. Yeah. The next day and yeah. Everything. Um. What else have we got? Let's get, let's get some let's get some some really interesting ones. <laughs> so I have like weird food cravings. Uh, I have like cravings for like salt. Sometimes okay. for, the, for the iodine, yeah, uh, we're, we're told to listen to our food food cravings as well, um, which is important to note. They're not just random. Yeah, um, and I get like cravings for dairy quite a lot okay. uh, for the calcium and the vitamin D for my bones. I don't know. I guess yeah. I just need. Well, it. there's a reason that our body craves things. It's yeah, either yeah. because we need it or because there's some for form of addiction. People, they're, yeah. they're the, most the, people just like things. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's your body saying, "Yeah, we haven't had this. Mm-hmm. We need it." You know. Yeah. Um. There's a lot of symptoms to do with like the the outside appearance. So you can have a Hashimoto's look. The only other famous person with with Hashimoto's that I know of is Gigi Hadid. Okay. 
the model Gigi Hadid. And people say she's got like a puffy face because she's got like quite a, like a round face. That is the Hashimoto's face. She's not puffy. She looks like me. <laughs> We've all got like, um, you can get quite, because you retain um, like water and you can, uh, the symptoms are sort of like weight gain and obesity, but decreased appetite. And I had a thing where I used to, uh, when I was really sick, I would eat one mouthful of my favorite food, be full. And I was, I looked fat. Um, I mean, I wasn't technically, but you look it and you weigh more than you should, even though you eat nothing because you store, you're just storing everything. Yeah. Um, because your body can't use it properly. Um, and that results in like your hair, falls out almost entirely goes really thin you lose like um the outer part of your eyebrows and quite a lot of your your hair as well um but that goes back when you're on medicine so it's not like a permanent thing um from taking the t4 um i have like ibs and that's like a very strong link with all kinds of thyroid disorders because they say that you have the thing, the gene called leaky gut in order to get things like Hashimoto's and other things. Like you already have like a bit of a thing where your your gut is a bit sensitive. Right. In order to get most autoimmune yeah. diseases. Um, lots of, if you're, if you're like a, a female sufferer, which I, I feel very sorry for you, there's a lot of things to do with, um, I mean, it's not a problem for me as much because I don't want children, but there's a lot of problems with uh, fertility and miscarriages and birth defects and pregnancy difficulties. And basically it's not really a good idea for people with that condition to have babies. Right. Um, and there's like... Have you meant, is it hereditary? Uh, it's, there's a genetic component, but it's... Right. it's that's the that's actually a really interesting story because I feel like mine was actually switched on my genetic predisposition was switched on by my the trauma of my parents divorce right so that's literally when my I, we didn't catch it until 18 months later when I was nearly in a coma but how old were you 11 right the symptoms actually started when I was 10 when my parents announced they were splitting up okay. so, so the stress of that yes so things to like Factors like high iodine in your diet and high stress can switch the trigger on at any time. And the reason most people don't get their switched on is because only something as hormonally traumatic as the menopause switches it on. Okay. Whereas mine was switched on by something else. And That's so it interesting. Can be switched on by yeah. things before. Yeah. Wow. So there's a big, there's a, a massive, massive mental component wow. to it. Yeah. Too. So things like, um, th- like a lot of the mood swings mm-hmm. the the anxiety the panic attacks the mood swings there's a lot of confusion you can talk about those things how moody am i i mean <laughs> what a position a to put him in what a position because <laughs> i think i'm pretty but it's it's the 180s like i can be angry and then literally oh, it swings and yeah. literally be like i'm really upset i feel so yeah. bad you can be but it's not uh, i feel like I mean, I probably I think I'm patient enough to sort of yeah. to be able to <laughs> to deal with it, and I've sort of also learnt how to because I think there was a bit of a learning process to begin with. Um, not to say that you're a burden or anything, obviously not, but um, yeah, the sort of it definitely can be a bit confusing when there's a massive mood swing towards something, or uh, and I'm just not entirely 
sure how to deal with it or yeah. what the reason is and sometimes you don't necessarily want to talk and about it and it's not about letting me get away with bad behavior either no. it's not about saying you can do what you like because this is how you are it's about mm. being like wait a minute before i react to this i might need to understand that she's not doing this on purpose yeah. do you ever c- catch yourself yeah mid like and go it's actually very hard to it's very hard to stop i'm usually right after right i'm usually straight yeah. after i'm like Oh. Yeah, Shit. you always yeah. say this that you always have if something if the uh, storm in a teacup sir, it yeah. blows over in yeah. two minutes and I'm back to normal. I just I, I'm is there's literally I've tried so hard to like short circuit it and get there before, but it I can't. Mm-hmm. It's too fast. the The reaction is like so fast, and then I I don't realize that it's happening until it's already happened. Hmm. Which is what I feel like I've had to learn a little bit. Yeah, um, being in a relation with relationship with you because. You gotta realize you just don't take it personally. Mm. It's not necessarily. Uh, it's not aimed at you necessarily. It's just a. And that you'll figure it out. I'll yeah, explain it. I'll explain in a minute. Yeah, yeah. You just have to ignore me for. Yes, like in, like in it, any it, relationship, is, it's communication. Exactly. So it's not really. Exactly. That yeah. big of a of a of yeah. a deal. Yeah, and you can usually understand that the actual nugget of what I'm trying to say is yeah. an expression of an emotion about something, that can get blown into like. Different things, or it can. There's usually a nugget of something that I'm actually worried about. Yeah, absolutely. That then, well, if I get overwhelmed, I lose the ability to control my reactions to other things. I think with a lot of related. what you've said, especially the more uh, mental mm. um, psychological. symptoms, psychological symptoms, is that it's these things are just heightened. So yeah. everybody has these little worries, these little mm. insecurities that they don't talk about and they don't talk about and they're in their head. And then all of a sudden something switches it and then there's a reaction Mm. and you don't really know why Mm -hmm. whereas maybe for you it's just that reaction's reached a little bit sooner but then it can be quite it can be quite confusing actually it can be quite jarring i can feel perfectly happy but if if like a hormonal depressive episode comes on it's very very confusing because i have literally no idea why i'm sad yeah and i don't feel like i should be so I then it's have, frustration on top of that. My mind. Yeah, yeah. I can go through in my mind and have no logical reason to be upset and not know what I'm upset about, mm. but then be like, this is obviously, I can't ignore that I'm upset, but I don't want to talk about it as if it's normal upset because people have reasons to be upset. Mm even if those reasons are unknown or subconscious. Yeah. And I feel like it's slightly different when you know, you know it's just something that's happening to you rather than something you can control yeah i mean nobody has that much control which is why i guess it's relatable but it's ve- it's a very it's a very unique kind yeah, of feeling sure. to know that like it's just trying to rationalize it's like watching like, yourself on the outside and being like yeah, what's going yeah, on right. which again is why i really want to stress the communication thing yeah is why absolutely. it's so crucial in any relationship yeah. to yeah. be understanding and give people an Patient. opportunity because you never know what is yeah. kicking these things off you I never... mean I reckon the only way to get away with it is to be like a very open yeah. I mean I'm a very expressive heart on my sleeve can't hide my feelings kind of person anyway but I think that part of my personality benefits or some somehow covers my weaknesses in other areas mm. because it allows people I'm not I'm not hiding anything like it's not you can see what things are doing to me and by by sh- by being sort of transparent in every way possible 
it makes it so that people kind of trust more that I'm not in control if mm-hmm. something happens. So that's mostly that's mostly how I get through with people I know, and then people I don't know, it's a little bit more difficult sure. because I have to try and mm. convince them I'm not a crazy person. <laughs> yeah, because um, you do often worry quite a bit about um, first impressions. Don't you? Oh yeah, very much so, very much so. But I'm not sure if that's me or not. Right. I'm not sure if other people would worry about that with with I think what with ha- oh, oh, people okay. with Hashimoto's yeah right, I'm not okay. sure that's a th- I think that's me <laughs> yeah well I, I, I think that lots of people worry about first impressions sure. um, but I can tell you that you have nothing to worry about you know absolutely and it is hard to t- it is hard to tell like what is we were talking about this as well what is me and what is disease so like a lot yeah. of these symptoms like how I can I can I mean go through the list sometimes mm-hmm. myself and I'll be like oh wait this is this is something I do that's on this list that I I never realized was a symptom. Has it helped you to learn more about yourself? Oh, in, so in, much. Yeah, I'm sure. So much. Um, yeah. Like, the, Again, the really this is dramatic so- stuff is easy. So, like, when I was really ill, people would be like, are you wearing blue lipstick? Because my lips would be blue because you were, like, really cold and poor circulation and all of that. So little things like that are easy. But then things like a tendency to want afternoon naps mm. is like a really weird one because loads of people who don't have that would like an af- quite like mm. an afternoon nap really but it's like a whole different thing it starts to get around three o'clock in the afternoon i can i can feel like a wave of drowsiness mm. and it's really quite strong sometimes and it's just very i didn't know nobody told me about that when i i didn't learn about that from a doctor either 90 percent of my symptoms i learned about from googling it myself yeah they told they told you about the ones that you already had, and then they don't tell you about the ones that you could have. So this list of three hundred things I maybe knew about ten that were on the surface that were obvious that they told me I was having, and then I was actually having another hundred under the surface mm-hmm. that I didn't find out were symptoms and not just me until I read about them. Yeah. It just proves how either clued up, clueless they are about the. Uh... The condition or how little they they really care about trying to and that's I mean, i'd feels. like to give the benefit of the doubt and say yes, that it was the too. former sure um but it's an interesting dichotomy even, to, yeah, to yeah think sure about. how much support is there for you outside of like you know giving you medication nothing nothing right nothing other than we had i had um i had a one psychological evaluation with that, with that, sorry. With my mum, where just after, because they were trying to, because there's a phenomenon with this condition where your personality changes. Basically, you get back your personality. Um, after you've suffered. The after you've suffered, um, like, go, going really quiet and not being able to speak and f- brain confusion and all that. Um, so this when, is when you, you, you finally, yeah, when you, when, and then when you're on treatment, you get your, sort of get your personality back. And some people who have, children with the condition actually especially teenage years they prefer the sick child they prefer how you were before when you didn't speak a lot and didn't cause trouble <laughs> so they send you for they send me and my mum for an evaluation with the psychologist to check on our relationship not to check on my well-being but to check that my mum wasn't having trouble coping with me right um, and once they'd established that our relationship was really good off you go that's it Oh, also, when I was 12, they checked my fertility without my permission or telling me. Oh, that's nice of them. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, would 
I think I know the answer to this, but would that be something that you wish was there? Yeah. I mean, certainly, I feel like everyone who gets this needs a booklet or a leaflet. We need a book. I'm, and maybe I'll have to write that book I was just myself. about to say that to you. <laughs> and it'll probably take me 40 years to do it because I've got this condition and I can't, <laughs> can't sit and but, do it in a year. But maybe I will one day, who knows? And I think... I think I would have benefited from so much more information. Not just the science. I think people get a lot stuck on, like, reading a big list of symptoms wouldn't really have helped me. I think it, what it really needs is a conversation or something mm. a bit more anecdotal than a leaflet. So yeah. that's why maybe a book could fill that gap because then you can sort of talk experientially without it being science, science, science. Because it's different people as well. Some people want want to understand it in a very logical way. Some people want to understand it through empathy mm. some people want to understand it's just hard when there's a lot of varieties of people and not a varieties of resources yeah yeah of course or any resources really of I've, course there's no support at all uh, oh there's been a power cut yeah well, <laughs> it's still working luckily the laptop's still going so we'll, we'll power through um <laughs> your battery's full yeah my battery's fine cool okay, bloody hell okay. <laughs> um do you or have you adjusted your diet at all because of this? Because I know right at the moment a lot of there's a lot of discussion going on about diet and yes. um, the impact between diet oh, yes. and physical and mental health, etc., etc. And what? How have you approached that? In the thyroid community, there's um, sort of a big thing where a lot of people really really recommend paleo or like yeah. I've cut out gluten and I feel so much better I don't eat this and I don't eat that and I don't eat dairy and I feel better now and I, I tried it I tried um being gluten-free for a while I tried not eating dairy for a while I tried quite a few different things but I don't think you're gonna get anywhere near the same as just being on the right medicine I, I feel like the dietary stuff can make a difference for people when there's a leeway to make a difference. And yeah. sometimes there just isn't. I feel like sometimes you really just need the medicine and not to eat less bread. I mean, I don't eat any bread anyway. That was the thing. And diet can be good for people who had problems with their diet before they go, before they went in, before they got Hashimoto's. I don't remember having any problems with my diet beforehand. I'm not particularly, I don't have any allergies. I'm not particularly sensitive to things other than like things I've gotten through Hashimoto's. Mm. So like things like the IBS I've gotten through taking because the tablet they give you, not the one I take now, the bad one, is coated in an undigestible type of lactose. Okay. So a lot of people become, get IBS or become lactose intolerant taking T4 because of the tablet itself. Yeah. And the longer you take it, the worse it is. And they don't tell you that. They let you take it. So it's a, a lack of support again. So I took it for 10 years and it damaged my gut. And they didn't, they didn't, they just let that happen. Well, and, and another thing is how important gut health is to, oh, yeah. you know, your mental and physical well-being, especially your mental well-being. Yeah. Um, and if this is having an impact on your mental well-being anyway, you want to do everything you can mm -hmm. to live in a way that supports yeah. that. And I think, again, that comes back to... I think it's a balance. Some people really really get into the management of it i am not that kind of person i feel like 
the more freedom I can give myself within this massively rigid, structured thing that I have to do, yeah. the better, the happier I am. So I try to make freedoms for myself so mm. I don't put limits on what I will eat on purpose because I'm so limited in other areas. It would drive me crazy if I limited everything. Yeah. Some people just do the whole thing as a regime, as a system, and they 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 like sort of control and like management of their the food and the diet is part of the whole experience for them and they get into the order and the structure of it but i definitely i I wouldn't do that yeah um so i've got not really got many recommendations about the diet because nothing has worked for me but there are people who who rave about about paleo or about gluten-free for hashimoto's i i mean i remember when i had a look on the uh there's a subreddit dedicated to people with hypothyroidism in particular Mm -hmm. a lot of them were raving about certain diets that they were on and specifically i think a lot of them were trying to lose weight as well because you mentioned earlier the weight gain issue um but yeah it seems to be a big thing in the community and it makes me laugh because a lot of those people will have um some level of hypothyroidism without having because mine doesn't work at all a lot of those people will have some hormone production or will have um, like subclinical hypothyroidism so that you know it's just a bit low and th- I think that the more room for improvement the less severe it is mm. so the less severe the condition is the more likely you are to be able to manage your weight with diet but I, there's nothing that, that there's no way I can manage my own weight pretty much there's yeah. nothing that I do that changes it other than very very rigorous exercise not, not and diet. that's probably quite difficult it's challenging. Anyway. I, I mean, I like the gym. I'm, I'm an outdoorsy person. I always think of myself as a very active outdoorsy person and then I realise all I do is sit down. All I do is walk around asking for chairs. But that's what I was going to say was it must be quite difficult to be able to yeah. enjoy those things because you, the there's a limited amount of time. If you, for instance, use up all your spoons in the gym mm-hmm. in the morning, you can't get anything else done yeah. in the day, right? So again, that yeah. impacts your freedom, your, your choices. And it's so bizarre because you think of yourself as the same person you have always been. And if you're always a person that liked outdoors and liked exercise, you're not, you don't, nothing has changed about that. It's just how I do it has to change. Yeah. How I manage it has to change, that's all. Mm. Um, do you think, uh, what I wanted to come on, something we were talking to before this was the gender difference. I don't know if we've touched on it too much, but yes. do you want to explain about that? Because that was something that, again, was one of these unforeseen impacts of, well, not even impacts, but unforeseen challenges of, of Hashimoto's. Yeah, so Hashimoto sufferers make up 2% of the whole population. And of those 2% of the population, a ratio of 10 to 1 are women versus men sufferers so for every 10 women who has it which is rare enough on its own only one man will have it um and it's mostly the condition is mostly in practice associated with people around menopause age and that's when it tends to get triggered by the the hormone changes if it's going to be triggered at all it'll get triggered then normally um so there's a big difference I've found in the way doctors see the condition, in the way that they see people's pain as less urgent because they feel they there's a kind of an expectation that if you're going through the menopause, your life will be a bit miserable and painful for a couple of years. 
So it goes under the radar and there's loads and loads and loads of people walking around mm-hmm. with undiagnosed Hashimoto's mm-hmm. who are having a really horrible time and they go mm-hmm. to the doctor and the doctor's like, must be just a complication of the menopause. And they're not wrong. They're not wrong in that. Per se. Not that it's yeah. factually incorrect, but you're ignoring the... Again, it just comes back to ignoring what's in front of you in favour of what you think should be there. Now, if you were a police officer and you do an investigation, you don't... You, the way you come up with theories is by looking at the evidence, not by looking at a textbook and saying, well, if it's this kind of murder, it should be this. We should be able to find this, this and this. You, you deal with what you have. Mm-hmm. And if what you have in front of you is somebody who is telling you that they have this pain, that they, they, they feel a certain way that isn't explained in other ways, then you have a choice to investigate it or you have a choice to... You have a choice to go with your safest option and I feel like it's I'm not criticizing the way that all doctors approach it but I think it we as patients are being failed um they don't mean to of course but I I know that to be true and I I I I think the fact that it is women um overwhelmingly and older women as well just affects affects the way people uh, people see the condition. That I think that a lot of uh, I was reading recently mm. how much research um, is male only trials. Mm. So many medical trials don't use women because they they would have to allow for how their med- menstrual cycle affects absorption of. So when they're testing new medicine, they always test it on men. Pretty much, they right. test. They do pretty much a large amount of trials um, are male only. Um, so it's very, it's very weird. It, it kind of feels like being in an atmosphere of you're, you're sort of. It feels like you're sort of supposed to be this way. Like you're sort of supposed to feel a bit rubbish, is the the way it kind of ends up coming off. And I. Mm. I know that's not what they really mean, like the medical professionals, that's not what they really think, but that's what you're really left yeah. with when all you've got to take home is the same medicine that's been making you worse. Yeah, yeah, and that doesn't provide much hope. No. Right, no. it doesn't provide much. No, that's, it's pretty much colour it in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as far as, uh, again, we spoke before a little bit about universal credit about the, yeah. the support that you're getting from the system and sure. um this kind of deviating to make it i guess we're getting a little bit more political now but um <laughs> well as we like to do yeah <laughs> um uh, just speak about your personal yeah. um experiences with universal credit in particular cool well that's that's quite good actually because that's actually something that makes me feel a little bit more hopeful because that's a system that can change more easily mm. um, I'm not saying easily but you know more easily <laughs> so I have struggled with work obviously having to manage exhaustion pain IBS lots of different things I always have to tell people at work that there's something wrong with me that I have a disability that I need help um, and then it comes to things like money and it comes to the things like I can't do a nine to five job. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd honestly think I'd be too, I'd be horrible by the end of the day because I'd be too stressed and too tired and I would just, I wouldn't be able to sustain it at all. And it makes me sick. It actually, I've, I've 
I've road tested this a lot as somebody who perpetually does too much. I can tell you that if I do, if I work too hard for like two weeks, say, in a couple, another couple of weeks, I will get a cold from that. Mm. I get like ill from overwork. Um, so I do a zero hours contract and I don't work more than five hours normally. One day. Yeah, yeah, in a shift. And that's that's like the sweet spot for me. So I obviously I want to earn as much money as possible, but if I can't do a full day's work, mm. that's a big problem. And then the, the thing is, how do I prove that I can't do it? Because it's not that like if I was a very a more a much more accessible form of disabled, if you will, if I was a very visibly disabled person, like they're not going to ask me to climb stairs too many times right. because it'd be obvious that I can't do it. It'd be cruel. Yeah. But with this, it's like I'm the person saying when it's too much and I have to constantly deal with me worrying that people think I'm scamming off. People think that think I'm scamming off. People that think I'm lazy. I'm constantly worried about trying to prove that I'm not lazy. Mm -hmm. So then I do too much. And that's been and that's but that's mostly the struggle of my 20s, really, is how can I build a work life for myself that is a fulfilling, but b livable that is sustainable the, where i can earn enough to feed myself without yeah. without you know because I, f- I do feel i would live m- a much shorter time if i tried to just do a normal job yeah it just it wouldn't be sustainable but then how do i the problem is how when i when i tried to explain this on my application for universal credit what they need from me is a doctor who i've met once to tell them exactly how my condition manifests so that I won't be able to work a full day. And he won't be able to tell them that. I know for a fact he won't be able to tell them that because I haven't told him that information. And they won't take it from me alone. And I I, I mean, I could get another doctor, but then I don't get money in the meantime while I'm getting a doctor to get to know me and my symptoms. And they're still a GP, so they want, they don't want, you go in, you try and tell them I've got, you know, a long sort of story to tell. I've got a very complex issue. They don't want to know. I've been in. Yeah. Yeah. They're literally, they can't get you out the door fast enough. All of them, all of the GPs. And it's because they're busy, which is fine, but I need a different kind of doctor. Really. And if you had the money to go and see a private doctor, then I would, but I can't. It'd be fantastic, but obviously that, I'm spending all my money on my medicine. Yeah, that isn't. It costs um, me 80 pounds to get tablets. Let's, (laughs) let's concentrate in on that. Let's move on to that then. So you've, made the decision to seek medicine yes, elsewhere. I, I Yes, I get it illegally online, but I don't sell it and it, I don't buy it from anybody dodgy. It's perfectly, it's, re, it's perfectly regulated medicine. It's just through like an international pharmacy service where you're supposed to have a prescription for it, but they don't check. Right. Now I do have a prescription for thyroid medicine because obviously I need it I just don't have a prescription for that one but because they won't prescribe for that one not because that one isn't good um so that's kind of how I how I do it it's not sustainable for the long term unless I earn some significant amount of money because I get about three months worth out of a bottle and that's about 70 80 quid it's a lot of money and so every it's about I can't do maths. What's three times? What's, what's four times 80? 38. So it's 380 quid a year. A year. Right. 
So it's a month for me to be al- almost a as well wages, as I can be. Yeah. If you're working on a zero hours contract part time. Yeah. You know. When you've got rent to pay, and you've got bills bills to pay, food to yeah, you're living in London. So this is the the pickle I I found myself in. So to me, what that shows is that we have in this country, unfortunately, a failed, impersonal, Mm -hmm. inhumane system that not only fails to understand the way that people are actually suffering, but also fails to provide them with enough support and the right medication to the point where they have to seek it illegally. And everything was about, when I was doing the application, it was so funny because everything's about how can we get you to work? How can we get you to work? I already have a job. I already work. It's trying to tell them I need more money, but I can't work to earn more money. Mm. Like... That was very... Because as soon as you, like, actually have a job, if you go into Universal Credit and you actually have a job, they're just like, oh, well, why are you here? <laughs> now that it's yeah. all in one and that there's no disability benefit, everyone's just kind of like, if you already have a job, why are you here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it must be so frustrating. Yeah. It must be so difficult. What the, is, As far as possible recovery, any kind of living within... In the best way with, with Hashimoto's... What does that look like? Is that possible? Is there any chance of a life without this for people that suffer with it? Um, I'm I'm a very hopeful person. I've found hope in my condition from coming from an extremely dark place. When I was first diagnosed, they thought I had a brain tumour and that they thought I was going to have to have... um, like cut off the top of my head and have brain surgery or that I was going to die. And um, so coming from that, this seemed like nothing. Were you told that? My mum was, yeah. She right. didn't tell me at the Fuck time. But me and my mum... And we, I, we were, I was in Manchester Children's Hospital. My dad doesn't visit me at once as well. That was also a personal thing going on at the time. But um, no, so it was the two of us at Manchester Children's Hospital that thought I had a brain tumour. So then when we found out it was this... Me and my mum were overjoyed that it was this. Yeah, of course. So coming from that, this is the attitude that has saved me. Yeah. The attitude that, well, you can do so much. I can still do so much. And And it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. What an incredible way to look at it. (laughs) I mean, it's it's a funny story. It's a funny story. It didn't happen. I didn't go anywhere near a surgeon. (laughs) But it, it was, and because I didn't know, it was the ignorance of, of, of that as well, because I didn't know how bad it was going to be or how much of the rubbish things about life were that, I didn't know mm. to be sad. I didn't know to be to be annoyed. I didn't know to be sad. I didn't know to go looking for answers until I went looking for them myself. And then by then, I mean, I was a little bit older, so I'd kind of gotten to, you just get on with it. You you have what you have, and I'm me and my mum. I mean, I, I I must give my mum total credit for my attitude towards it because it's it's all about making the best of what you have, mm. and I know that as long as I'm doing my best in whatever it is, I try not to worry about the rest. I try not to worry, especially the biggest thing. Don't worry about what other people are doing. Mm. Don't look at other people's lives and want what they have because you don't have that. You have what you have, yeah. and you can do amazing things. Only you can do amazing things with what you have because other people wouldn't be able to use it. Other people wouldn't be able to understand the systems I've developed in order to use them properly. So it has to be me mm. to do 
what I do in the way I do it because it w- I wouldn't be any good as anyone else and neither nobody else would be any good as me. That's good advice. Mm. Lastly, what would be what would you say to other people that were suffering with Hashimoto's or other people that are your age that are suffering with similar I'd symptoms? I'd quite like them to contact me. I do want to set up some sort of... There's Thyroid UK, which is the, chari- the main charity, but it doesn't really have any resources for people who are struggling with the treatment situation or people who don't like the accepted medication and want something else. There's not really a community, especially in the UK. There's some forums in the US. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say to anyone who has any form of hypothyroidism, the internet is a wonderful place for you. There's a lot of community. There's a lot of people. There's not that much in the UK, which is quite sad because I feel like kind of cut off from other people's mm-hmm. experiences. I've only ever met one other person uh, with my condition. But I think, I think if you find people, if you find any kind of community i want to set up some sort of a forum for people in the uk how best to get in touch with you um email probably so my email is katherinegrasu at gmail.com spelt k-a-t-h-r-y-n-g-r-a-s-s-u at gmail.com so get in touch if if you do um if you're out there calling all hashimoto's (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much kate that was really interesting um and it is fascinating to get an insight into so that and i've certainly Absolutely. learned a lot um, ever since meeting her it's sort of really opened my eyes towards well not her condition but also the fact that there are so many things people with conditions that we don't necessarily know uh, you about, never know what people are going through you don't know yeah. what they're going through these people who you see on the tube with these badges you don't know you can't see what they're yeah they might be living with so I think you should have to treat everyone as if they have something. I think treating everyone as if they're as delicate as an actual delicate person is a very good way to be. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So if you uh, have any um, uh, any thoughts or anything to say or you want to get in touch with Kate, you know how to. Also, demographicauk at gmail.com. If you have any stories that you'd like us to read or any questions you'd like us to answer on the podcast in future, we're happy to do that. Also, check out our social medias. They'll all be in the description. And we'll see you next time. Thanks again, Kate. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye.